0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Council Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I am here with our special guest, Brian, for this episode of the show. On this episode, we discuss one of the biggest traditions in college football, bowl season. We learn about the honor and tradition of its past, as well as its current struggles it faces today. Plus, we'll preview the 2022 college football playoff and have our predictions on the national champion. Today is December 22nd, 2022. And this is the 89th episode of the show. Well, it's always good to have our special guest, Bryant, the USC stand himself, the college football expert back on the show. How are you doing today, Bryant?
1: Doing good, Matt. (laughs) College football expert, love that title now. Um, Yep, uh, definitely doing pretty good today Uh, for the poor USC fans out there, you know, it's didn't end up as we hoped it would the national championship dream we came so close to is really unfortunate but you know really excited for you know we do get a new year's six bowl game um the cotton bowl playing there again so let's get a solid bowl win
0: yeah and i know we've had you on uh several fantasy football episodes but this is the first time since i think august since we've had you on for a college football episode right
1: yeah yeah we had that great uh episode at the beginning of the season, kind of going over it. So this is definitely pretty interesting to do since the regular season's over. We're looking at bowl season now. We're looking at the postseason for college football, and, you know, seeing what's going to go down in the next couple of days here.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can't be too uh, sad about, you know, the USC season, right? Because I remember back in our August episode, uh, you had high hopes for them, obviously, but I don't think, you know, I think this was in the realm of expectations, right?
1: Yeah, on, I think... If I remember correctly, like, I would have been happy if USC got, like, nine or, like, ten games there, but, I mean, I would have never thought, even at the beginning of the season, like, we get so close to the college football playoffs right here. Like, genuinely surprised this year uh, how well the transition was into having Lincoln Riley as the head coach, how well the whole offense clicked, even though we had a lot of new, new faces on the team, um, a lot of transfers from other schools, that they all integrated together quite seamlessly on the offense. Now, defense was, unfortunately, another story there. Um, but even then, there were some good moments uh, throughout the whole season, too. But, yeah, just how explosive, you know, Caleb Williams, Jordan, Adams, uh, Jordan Addison, and even our running backs, you know, Travis Dye, um, Austin Jones there, all of those transfers played beautifully and literally were, could all be like, you know, all pack 12 they should be all americans right there they're amazing
0: yep and you know this is the time of year of course we have just so much going on obviously the nba the nfl but i've always associated kind of this winter break as you know one of the best traditions in college football which is the bowl game season and um you know i followed this for a very long time i'm sure you have uh watch bowl games we've even been to a bowl game together yeah, um, we did <laughs> yeah the, so, the red know, box is, bowl the red box bowl Love red that. box
1: bowl it was uh i think illinois versus cal i think a few years back there which it's unfortunate was like, i don't think that
0: was a couple yeah. months before the pandemic too i remember yeah it so. was like
1: 2019 and then i don't hasn't been a red box bowl in a couple years now so yeah <laughs> no. no bay area bowl game <laughs> anymore yeah
0: i mean that's a shame but I mean, let's just dive into this tradition here of bowl games. Um, so how does it work? Why are there like so many bowl games, first of all? Because every day I tune into ESPN and there's another bowl game. And it's like the Lane Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl <laughs> or the Alamo Bowl. Or like, I think I saw the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Um, there's a Jimmy something Kimmel like Bowl. That. Or the LA, like Jimmy Kimmel presents the LA Bowl. It seems like there's oh just God. an endless amount of bowl games. Um, but there is a story behind all of this, right?
1: Yeah, I want to first give a shout out to sort of talk about bowl games to my personal favorite name, the Cheez It Bowl. A oh, that was great. A couple years back, when USC wasn't doing as hot, where the joke was always just, "Oh, we're gonna go to, about to go to the Cheez It Bowl and play some random like <laughs> Mountain West team over there." And there's been some crazy Cheez It Bowl games. Like bit of a tangent, but I remember one year it was like, there was a Cal TCU game. Yeah, ended like exactly twenty to remembered. nineteen. There was like, like. Their offense was scoring in, like, double digits of yards. It was just, like, 20-yard field goals over the place. No one, there was zero offense that game. Just absolute insanity, and the winner just gets, you know, a bowl full of Cheez-Its over there. So, Cheese it Bowl is something else. <laughs> but, yeah, just kind of looking at, you know, the history of bowl games, it's definitely really unique, you know. I can't think of any other, I don't think there is any other uh, sport out there that does something like this, what college football does. And the history of bowl games, really, you know, it all starts with the granddaddy bowl of them all, the most famous bowl game, the Rose Bowl, which I think just passed like 100 years of Rose Bowls now. So Hmm. I think the whole story was, you know, we've had, there's like 128, I want to say, currently now FBS teams, a lot of them have long story histories. But you know, back in the day, the question was always try to solve, you know, who is the best kind of college football team there. And Back in the day, it's kind of more regionalized, so, you know, they would have bowl games where you could showcase, you know, the best teams in each region there. Um, And the Rose Bowl has always been played between uh, a Pac-12 team from the West Coast versus uh, um, a Big Ten team from the Midwest there. So it has a really storied history. It's played in Pasadena, California, and then the reason for that is, you know, People from the Midwest during the winter time—it's you know it's freezing cold, it's barren over there, and it's not fun at all. But you know they have the chance to go all the way to the West Coast, you know in sunny Pasadena, SoCal, California, just a complete change of pace for them. It's played in the beautiful venue of uh, the Rose Bowl. So tradition starts with the Rose Bowl. Other bowl games. Um, like a couple of years after that, starts popping up, including you know what became known as the New Year's Six Bowls, or the most prestigious bowl games, including the likes of the Cotton Bowl, um, the Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, uh, Sugar Bowl, um, and those would have you know set teams from each conference uh, play each other there. And fast forward more to the current day, it's basically seen as like you know the postseason for college football teams. You know after a twelve game season, there's one more game where you put it all on the line. Um, it's been extended from you know from just the most prestigious college football teams to you know basically if you're a 6-6 team or better you got to play in a bowl game there and as you've hinted on you know the bowls can be hosted by a wide variety of like institution companies i guess like tax layer bowl um, all state sugar bowl or whatnot you know it always has a big sponsor and there is definitely the big incentive is you know there is a prize pool like cash prize not just the bowl of cheese it's for if you win the bowl game there so that money goes not just to the school but to your conference as well so a big part of bowl season as you might see is comparing how well like the conference is doing each other like all the group of five the power five seeing who can beat each other beat each other up the most to get the most kind of prize money there so pride for not just your school but the whole conference is on the line when you know teams interact during bowl season
0: yeah and i have to um believe that there's a certain amount of honor that goes into the program right i know that college recruiting is always a big thing when you're trying to get more prospects right so when you are in this bowl game right and you get to display your team in this kind of bowl game and then therefore later as a winner of the bowl game right there's a certain amount of honor that goes into it your reputation kind of increases i believe right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah uh Definitely, you know, it's big for the recruits. Honestly, for recruits throughout the season, too, you know, the big schools, your blue blood schools, they're inviting recruits to come watch the big games there. And that definitely happens during, you know, the bowl game season. That's highly scrutinized, too. Um, but I think a good example is, like, you know, how kind of important reputation is. It's kind of what's happened to the Pac 12 over the years. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the last couple years, I think I might have it wrong, but I think, like, the Pac 12 legit won, like, zero bowl games last year and the year before that like and that's kind of fed into the whole narrative of like the Pac-12 is the weakest power five school because they just beat each other up all year no one can reach the college football playoffs like what you saw with USC this year and then when the bowl season hits when you finally have a chance for cross-conference play you know you can't win any of the games so you know you're a laughingstock among the, <laughs> the rest of the power five schools so yeah uh, it can definitely shape a narrative going into the next season there how well your conference does
0: yeah and i know that you know i think for some programs as well it's kind of like almost i'd say like a holiday because it's not like a traditional game like this is the last game of the season it doesn't really mean anything as much as in terms of like oh, you're competing for the playoffs, unless you're in one of those big New Year's Six Bowls, right? But let's say, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're like you're in the Little Caesars Bowl, right? Or, like, uh, <laughs> the Tax Slayer Bowl. Again, like, ridiculous names. <laughs> but, bowl. like, there's uh, there's also the Hawaii Bowl, right? Where yeah. the game's literally played in Hawaii, and then they all get to go to Hawaii for a week, right?
1: Yeah, there's definitely really cool bowls. Like, the Hawaii Bowl, like, the Bahamas Bowl, that's really cool. Yep. That's in the Bahamas, of all places. Dear. And I heard that, I think that one gets... Because it has some pretty crazy sto- score lines, I've seen over the years there. So yeah, even you know the bowl games is just really cool. It's across the entire United uh, States there, but ironically not in Northern California. But yeah, across the continental U.S., Hawaii, even um, internationally there. You know, a lot of times it's not just the Power Five schools. Right, all the Group of Five schools, like from the Sun Belt, the MAC Conference, Mountain West, they get to play each other too playing for prize, even even like you know six 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 schools kind of playing each other there might not be the most entertaining or the biggest bowl games to watch and has a ridiculous name like you know the cure bowl or whatever but (laughs) it's definitely still you know with kind of prize money with conference play with being able to say hey you know even we're a smaller school but you know we won the bowl game we can end the season on a high note i think that's a big thing too you know that's the last game of the season that you play so you want to end on that high note you want to get a w no matter who you're playing against what bowl you're in you know how many people from your team might be opting out of it getting that win is really important
0: yeah and i heard that there's some pretty nice swag sometimes when you get into the bowl games right like i'm gonna read off a couple right here that i see um for this year i mean the valero at bowl um if you get if you're in the uh contest i think or the bowl game It seems like they said that you would get an iPad Mini, a Fossil watch, a hundred dollar Best Buy gift card, a team photo, and a mini helmet. I mean, most of those things are not great, but like the iPad Mini just for playing in the bowl game—that's pretty damn good. Like, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, you. I think like even if you get by default of getting into the bowl game, regardless if you win or lose, you get some sort of cash or swag uh, prize like that over there. Yeah. so yeah just the rewards, just the whole experience you know uh, besides the team there's the fans Um, so like you know fans who get to go across the country there or play in a venue they would never think before Um, that's a whole experience of its own like I remember I think uh, one of the New Year's Six Bowl games was in I think Levi's one year I think like that was when oh it was the uh the CFA championship because champion, right? that was the year yeah. when, like I think Alabama Clemson I want to say was here I remember yeah, I think when that was Alabama Trevor had Lawrence's uh,
0: freshman year right yeah, yeah, uh,
1: he would have won that one. So yeah, that's a whole experience too, you know, from the South coming to the West or, you know, from the Midwest and East Coast or something like that. That's that whole kind of cross the entire United States. Um, big game you're playing now. That's a whole kind of extravaganza for the fans themselves.
0: Yeah, and honestly, for the fans, it's a good excuse to kind of just sit back, just uh, enjoy the game. Not much in it, but, you know, it's a good excuse to just get out there and just have fun. Like, I... Literally come from a school that doesn't have a football team, a college football team. <laughs> but, you know, I've been to the Red Box Bowl um, with Bryant, obviously, in mm. Levi's. And then I went to the Foster Farms Bowl, which used to be the Red Box Bowl when uh, mm. I think Red Box was the new sponsor after Foster Farms. But um, it was also played in Levi's. And I got to see Purdue in Arizona with uh, a buddy okay. of the show, uh, Cy, who is a Purdue alumni. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. I yeah. had no rooting interest, but, you know, it's just a fun game to watch. Like
1: It's a fun game, yeah. Uh, for me, um, being part of the band and traveling around, I actually only went to one bowl game. I opted out of – I didn't end up going to the Holiday Bowl game one year. That was when Keaton Slovis was on USC. That was USC-Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. But one game I did go into my freshman year, that was actually the Cotton Bowl again. That was USC wow. when Sam Darnold was still on the team versus Ohio State. So, you know, Urban Meyer. And I forgot who uh, QB was at the time for um, Ohio State. But that was – No, both it was both like top 10 ranked teams getting to play each other there. That was the Cotton Bowl is at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, never been to Dallas before. And it's pretty crazy there. Like there's a gigantic AT&T Stadium, the Rangers Stadium is like across the street. And there's like the world's biggest Walmart that I've ever seen that's also was in the parking (laughs) lot, like literally the biggest building I've ever seen was this Walmart. (laughs) So that was a that was definitely a pretty um, fun experience, too. Um, you know, 18 stadiums is a pretty cool uh, place to play out there. And just being with the fans, seeing the team get to play one more time. That's a, um, you know, the pageantry is at its peak at the bowl game, for sure. How was the game? We lost, like, 24-7 or something like that. That was, like, a two-score <laughs> loss, you know. Um, I I we, I spent. I remember spending most of the game, like, okay, come back, come back, come back, <laughs> and the comeback Just never appeared there. I think... That was the second year. Darnold's first year, he was like really great because you know they won the Rose Bowl against against Penn State. Um, classic, game. classic, classic, of... classic game. Cotton Bowl year. That was when Darnold was still a good quarterback, but he there was a lot of fumbling, like turnover problems that year, uh, especially there. Which I think, sadly, I a think it's still come. kind of a yeah. problem. Yeah. that sign of <laughs> still kind of a problem these days too, like just ball security there. But you know, he was always. Positives, he could always throw a pretty good um, deep ball. We had Ronald Jones as a running back there. Um, We had, yeah, Deontay Burnett, who was, he was drafted too to the Eagles, but, you know, the rest of the USC wide receivers to follow have definitely taken a bigger stage there. But, you know, still a decent, great, good team that year. Yeah, we were like a top, if you made a New Year's Six, you're a good team.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about the New Year Six for a second, right? You mentioned it briefly, but it's like the main six bowls, right? Mm Mm-hmm you got like the rose the cotton the orange the peach the fiesta and the sugar bowl right
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're spread throughout uh the country there so you know rose bowl is pasadena cotton bowl is uh dallas orange bowl is miami uh peach is of course atlanta georgia fiesta is like phoenix or tucson arizona for some reason and sugar bowl i like, think is Indianapolis or somewhere in the Midwest there so really spread throughout the was, country
0: I think Sugar Bowl is in uh, the Where's south it? right Flor- Florida I want to say Alabama ah. but oh no 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 New Orleans New Orleans right
1: New Orleans right, yeah, right New Orleans yeah. there yeah it was one of the like kind of Indianapolis and New Orleans you know <laughs> big venues there yeah but yeah those are definitely um the biggest bowl games. So I think kind of looking at this season, there's probably usually are some of the best bowl games um, that we see.
0: Yeah. And I mean, would you say that this is kind of the bowl games that you're looking forward to the most?
1: Yeah. At least for me, I think the ones, you know, every year when bowl game season comes, you know, you have to decide, do you want to back the pack or not? (laughs) And I guess, well, USC is leaving to the big 10 now, but you know what? I'm down. I'm down to see the pack 12 do, good at least like once really because just how bad we've been over the last couple years and we've already done a little better oregon state beat uh florida um which was pretty big oregon state had a pretty good 10 win season there washington state lost against fresno state which fresno had a pretty good season even though they had a bad start there so that wasn't good for the pack but honestly the the rest of the pack 12 games are pretty solid too like oregon is going to play North Carolina. In the Holiday Bowl uh, in the next couple of days here, that could be a pretty good matchup. You know, Drake May versus Bo Nix out there it should be a pretty high-scoring game. I would expect. You also have Washington versus Texas, battle of top twenty-five teams over there. You know, Michael panix Jr. just been going off this season there too, and honestly it could be a dark horse. Should have been a dark horse for the Heisman there um versus Texas, but John Robinson, who I projected as like a Heisman candidate, he hasn't. He was he's still good, but I think maybe because of injuries, he hasn't played you know as hyped up as he could there too. But Texas. Bijan
0: Robinson or John Robinson.
1: Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Bijan. Bijan Robinson. Robinson yeah, he's um, he starter. And the right, the quarterback. Um, uh, right, Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers, and Hudson Card. Ewers got yours was quarterback like when texas almost beat alabama but they had injury problems and kind of faded fast from the heisman race there but texas is peak recruiting season right now um doing brief tangent to that texas has recruited very strongly this year they've had a number of high-ranking five four-star athletes so i would project texas to be very strong in the big 12 next year oregon has also done very well in uh recruiting this year for the pac-12 Um, and then Colorado is surprisingly really strong because of, you know, Deion Sanders is now the coach there. Very surprised for that. But, you know, all the quarter, all the cornerbacks in the country want to follow, or all the ones from Jacksonville (laughs) (laughs) State want to follow, are following him there too. So, uh, Pac-12 recruiting is looking pretty good, um, this year. Um, but just going to the rest of the Pac-12 games I'm looking forward to, they're all really good. Uh, you know, UCLA versus Pittsburgh, you know, um, I, I don't the, know. I want
0: to, and I want to say this one: in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl.
1: <laughs> the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl—that's a crazy one there, too. But yeah, Keion Slovis versus UCLA one more time. That could be pretty crazy. But yeah, what in the world? I've never seen the, the. Oh, it's the Sun Bowl. This game's in El Paso, Texas. This is the most boring <laughs> venue of them all. Wow. um but yeah, kind of looking, there is one non-New Year's Six, non-Paxful book, and that's I think is really interesting. Tennessee versus Clemson, really, really close game in the very aptly named Capital One Orange Bowl, which I want to swear, like, they've named it just for this bowl game because both teams are bleed orange. So it's a perfect <laughs> bowl game, perfect venue there. Um, Going to be really crazy, I think. Um, Not sure how many opt-outs there are, but we you know we're looking at, you know, Jalen hyatt hendon hooker and a resurgent tennessee team they were probably one of the surprises of the year almost on par with how well usc has done playing against clemson who definitely was quiet this year dj Ugiale um hasn't reached the heights that was expected of such a high recruit you know i think he's transferring now he could possibly go to like Oregon state or hawaii or something like that so but clemson is still a good team they're top top 10 um they have definitely strong pieces there so clemson tennessee could be another barn burner i'd Definitely would want to watch that game. Um, should be really close. Uh, but yeah, kind of pivoting more towards the New Year's Six Bowl games. So we'll have particular emphasis on the college football playoffs here. But just yeah. looking at the I matchups just, here.
0: I just wanted to add something here. Um, because New Year's Six, when we talk about it, I think we should uh, put a little bit of a specification or a clarification here. The New Year's Six is kind of like the main six bowl games. But um, what the college football playoff, and committee kind of does is that they rotate two of them every year for the college football playoff semifinals, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Two of these games are actually for the college football playoff, right? And that's why they're kind of a little bit more important while well, as the other ones, they're still as important, they still feature some of the top teams in college football, but they are not actually playing for the uh, college football championship. So this year it would be the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl is the uh, two, right? I think it's the and, Peach Bowl. Oh, the Peach, Bowl which, is the Peach un- Bowl,
1: which is unfair because Georgia gets home field advantage for that, as if they need more advantages for them. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then I think the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl or the Sugar Bowl will be the uh, next two, right?
1: Like Not that's sure. how they uh, I, th- I think they want to. Uh, I think they want to do something where I, I don't know. I might be talking on my butt here, but like I think they want to make the Rose Bowl like a permanent, like college football. Playoffs. I thought I saw something along the lines of that. You know, because this is this kind of most prestigious one there, too. But I think, yeah, just looking at next year, you know, I think, it, yeah, that could definitely be it. You know, Rose Bowl and then, yeah, Sugar Bowl. And
0: expansion is going to obviously make all of these bowl games possibly relevant, right? Because if you get 12 playoff teams, then all six bowl games would probably be in play, right?
1: Yeah, I honestly haven't looked into what specific bowls, but that would make perfect sense if they are near a six bowl and you have a 12 team playoffs. There's your <laughs> six bowls right there.
0: Yeah. And then to circle back on the Orange Bowl here, um, Hendon Hooker obviously is out, I think. Uh, I think he has an ACL tear. Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, poor guy.
0: And then Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver for the Tennessee Volunteers, star wide receiver, he opted out of the Orange Bowl. Um, and I think he's going to declare for the draft, obviously. So, I mean, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I remember back, um, I mean, maybe five, ten years ago, when I was just a very over-eager 49ers fan, I always used to look at bowl games not as just entertainment and, you know, watching college football. I don't watch a lot of college football myself. But it's a good time to kind of see what prospects would be declaring for the next year, right? Like, I remember Jared Goff. I saw him during the Armed Forces Bowl. Like, I was kind of looking at him. And I remember Justin Jackson broke out in the – I don't remember what kind of bowl it was, but it was a Northwestern game and you know you always see these kinds of prospects back then and you're kind of looking at them and i'm sure scouts are too but now you see this trend in the future like and like in the present i guess of these players they're kind of opting out of these bowl games and you know just a little bit of context here um this may be because in the fiesta bowl one year i believe there was a star linebacker from notre dame jalen smith right and he had this devastating knee injury that you know playing in the fiesta bowl a game that again is while prestigious doesn't have a lot of value for the team right and then i think he went in maybe like the second round uh, instead of like being a top 10 pick but i don't think he was ever really the same after that so i think you always have to like have this caution right i think jake butt remember the tight end for michigan he I think he tore his Achilles, I think, in the Orange Bowl um, a couple mm-hmm. years back too. So, like, obviously I understand how opt-outs are, you know, concerning for these top prospects. And, you know, you want to, like, opt-out beforehand just to make sure you don't get injured, keep your draft stock where it is. But do you feel like it is affecting the entertainment value of these bowl games? Like, I want to just get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, honestly, in terms of opt-outs, and that's honestly the main reason why... Um, they would opt out just to protect their draft slot because like, you know, that's their future. They want to be drafted as high as they can, and then they want to also opt out to you know just prep for the combine, make sure they're in tip top shape for that, um, for teams to see. So it's definitely a valid consideration, you know, to skip the team's bowl game and you know prep for the, just that um, next step over there. In terms of entertainment value, just kind of looking back at you know my past, kind of looking at bowl games over there, I don't think it really affects kind of like. The entertainment value of the bowl games, at least for me, like a big part of it is just the fact that it's teams from different conferences or parts of the country that you would never expect to see play uh, each other before. That has a lot of entertainment value almost in and of itself over there Mm -hmm. too. And then a lot of times I feel like bowl games, they, you know, have pretty crazy storylines during the games, like crazy comebacks or just really high scoring games. And you could also see it, you know, even if the star players opt out, you're looking at, you know, the next year's um, budding stars uh, starting off over there too. Uh, So you could be looking at a sneak preview of who's going to be the stars next year too as an alternative approach there. And especially with, you know, the New Year's Six Bowls, looking at the best teams in the country there, even if the star players opt out, you know, those backup players coming, maybe getting the play on for the first time this season, these are all going to be four or five star recruits over there too. These guys aren't um, slackers to say whatsoever (laughs) there too. They have so much talent in their own right. So I, I, and maybe there's a kind of greater argument around the entertainment value of bowl games, other factors to consider too, but at least from my take, uh, uh, I, don't, I haven't seen it have a massive effect on the entertainment value itself of these bowl games. Someone's going to step up to play and make it a, a fun game to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, just off the top of my head, I just remember, you know, we were just talking about it a little bit ago, but the Rose Bowl, um, I want to say maybe three, four years ago, and it was Penn State-USA, right? And then mm-hmm. we saw a breakout of this young quarterback and he just led the USC Trojans to victory, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. First of, well, Sam Darnold was already hot then, but then that just sent him up to legendary levels at USC with that game um, over there. Honestly, yeah. the story, probably the bowl. Some for some reason, the bowl game that I remember the most, mm-hmm. kind of uh, watching there was the one where Ohio State. Beat Alabama in the national championship. It might have been like the first or second year of the CFP. That was the year when Ohio State's quarterback. It was Braxton Miller, and then he got hurt. I think in the semifinals, and then they and then went JT with Cardell. Right? It was like, JT, Barrett, JT Barrett, Barrett and
0: then Braxton Miller, and then I forgot uh, Cardell, Cardell Jones. Jones I
1: Cardell Jones. Well, I, I, I think I forgot it was JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. But <laughs> yeah, they got hurt. And then Cardell Jones stepped up to the plate there, and then, you know, he beat out Al- Ohio State, beat Alabama in uh the college football play- the final ch- national I think championship it was sugar game bowl. over there. I think it was yeah. the Sugar
0: bowl. I, was the yeah. bowl. I think it was the semifinal, and then they beat Oregon in the uh, final. Right?
1: Was it? Yeah. yeah. Did Oregon ever reach? <laughs> yeah, Oregon. I remember
0: that. Oregon and Florida State was the Rose Bowl. I think. That was a long time ago. That was Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota.
1: Yeah, that was a while back there. But yeah, that game was yeah, 20
0: 2014, oh God, 20, I want to say.
1: 2014, 20, 2015 bowl game. But yeah, that was a crazy one there. And I think kind of like, you kind know, of trying to tie it back to opt-outs or like injuries there too. Like the fact of the matter is none of those guys panned out, <laughs> panned yeah. out in the end. They had like I think Cardell Jones was a backup quarterback for a little bit, but I mean, they never reached kind of, you know, they never reached that high again of the national championship uh, game over there. And I think you're right. That was the Sugar Bowl. That was the semifinals um, that was played over there, and then they uh, beat the Ducks. Um, right. You're right. Mariota. Um, that was the 2015 um, Sugar Bowl over there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's probably one of the bowl games I was just etched in memory there, you know. Miller just getting like hurt and then this random backup quarterback no one knows about, beats Alabama, leads them to national championship there, and it's just, you know, kind of just the beauty of bowl season, you know. Maybe those unsung heroes becoming, you know, heroes for the schools for a lifetime over there. You know, all these crazy stories can happen in bowl season.
0: Yeah. And I I think there was a young running back there too that broke through Alabama's defense, uh, Mr. Ezekiel mm-hmm.
1: Elliott. <laughs> I saw a random stat. Ezekiel Elliott currently has the most rushing yards of an active NFL player, which is crazy to think really? about how he's been in the NFL for so long, or something like that. Yeah.
0: Well, I feel old now. That's a yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's seven yeah, seven years or something in the league at this point. Crazy. All right. Amari Cooper was also in that game, I think. Yeah, that's all these Cooper stars. was
0: Alabama, right? Yeah. Cooper was yeah.
1: Alabama. Uh Is that like Mark Ingram? No, Mark Ingram was older before that. Could be Derrick
0: Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah, yeah. They had so many really good running backs.
1: Oh, yeah. 100% over there.
0: Okay, but let's talk about the college football playoff now. Let's talk about this year. We have four teams. Um, Unfortunately, USC did not make it. But our four teams are number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, and number four, Ohio State, which means that I believe Michigan will face off against TCU in, um, I don't remember which bowl game exactly it was. Oh, it's the Fiesta Bowl, right? And then mm-hmm. the Peach Bowl is Georgia versus Ohio State. So let's just preview these matchups a little bit here. Like, What should we expect for the Fiesta Bowl between Michigan versus TCU?
1: Yeah, Michigan-TCU... Um... Definitely really interesting. So Michigan throughout this season and really in the last couple of years too under Harbaugh, their strengths has been at the running back position for sure. Backed by a pretty good defense too, typically. Um, Michigan's storyline coming in is their their top running back, Blake Cornum, um, Corum, Cornum. he got hurt in the last couple of games of the season, sadly. He was honestly on track. He could have won the Heisman. Um, He, he- was that good, uh, that explosive as a running back. He was running like... You know, I think one of the games I saw this year, uh, again, the game against Penn State, Blake Horam just went off. He ran probably for like 200 yards, multiple touchdowns that game there against Penn State too. So definitely a big game running back that Michigan has lost. So pretty daunting prospect to replace. But the guy next in line is a man by the name of Donovan Edwards, who has had a pretty good season in his own right too um i think he rushed for like 800 yards this season uh really strong prospect can catch can block uh runs kind of really he's really physical player there too so he's honestly as good as a backup as you can get uh for michigan state uh, for michigan so i think in terms of michigan's ability to do their forte run the ball they should be pretty good at that too Whereas looking at TCU or the Toads, as their <laughs> uh, diehard fans call them, you know, they're the underdog. And I honestly love rooting for the underdog there. So I'm down for TCU to win it all there. They've had a really cra- a great season story in their right too, you know. Um, Max Dugan, Heisman contender, quarterback, great leader, loves throwing the deep ball there with just his ability as a quarterback to make plays and also to run too. He's a surprisingly good runner, Um TCU is going to be in any game they play, despite the fact that they have a Big 12 defense that can't stop anything. Um, but the biggest thing, too, for TCU is they're all of those they undefeated this year. And all those close games at the end, you know, all those ones, they've won every, like, one score game they've played in. They've come back multiple times, you know, and most recently in the Big 12 championship against Kansas State, they came down from a deficit. Because I don't think they won, State, though, right? Right, they didn't. Well, right, they, right? oh, they didn't lose that game. Right, <laughs> they did lose. Well, that was the one game. They still tied it. They still made it to overtime despite being down. Like they were down pretty big. I think like maybe double digits at one point. They had a crazy. Because I remember thinking they wouldn't come back, but then they somehow huh. did tie it, and they almost did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they've won all of their games this year, uh, almost by like a comeback. So it's the comeback story of TCU versus kind of the running game of Michigan for the Fiesta Bowl.
0: Yeah, and. You know, just to add on to that, I mean, we've watched Harbaugh with the Niners for years, right? And then he brings that same identity to uh, Michigan. You know, it's always about the run game. It's about controlling the time of possession, great defense. He's a very um, classic football mind, like just run the ball, win games. Um, Sometimes it's going to look ugly, even though, you know, they're the second uh, ranked team in college football. Some of those games, and they're undefeated, by the way. Some of those games, um, are kind of low scoring affairs. You don't expect to see those huge numbers. That maybe like Georgia would put up like a sixty six to seventeen kind of game. You know, I feel like Michigan, it's like a 24-17 game. They'll grind you out and they'll eventually win it in the end because um, they just play a very physical brand of football and they kind of just wear you out until by the fourth quarter, you know, Donovan Edwards just, you know, he'll break out a huge run and then it's over, right? Which he's done mm-hmm. in the last two games, so. <laughs> Like, I really see it's a really hard uh, hill to climb for TCU, yeah,
1: especially with just, that defense. Yeah, just the problem was, and like kind of look at the history of the Big 12 too, you know, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley's team's going in there. They get like just rolled <laughs> by like Alabama <laughs> or Georgia, like badly, badly um, in the semifinals there too. So, you know, well, they're, they're, they aren't facing an SEC team around this time there too. So they will have to, you know, somehow stop hold the run as much as they hold, hold up against the run as best they can over there too. But you know, if you believe in the Hypnotoads and TCU, you know, you believe in Dugan's ability to, you know, lead the team, fire up a team to a comeback. Dugan's has some great weapons too. You know, their running game is still pretty strong. You know, Uh, Kendra Miller, thousand yard rusher there. They also have Quentin Johnston, a young up and coming wide receiver star, Uh, you know, it's a physical uh, fast guy over there. So Max Dugan and TCU they definitely have the weapons in front of them. They just have to find a way, to, you know, keep pace and uh keep keep pace with that Michigan offense and then you know prevent or just hold off that that long run. You know, that's absolutely crippling for teams, you know, momentum wise kind of uh uh morale wise. So you got to stop that big massive like 60-yard running back run to like ice the game.
0: Yeah, and then just if you're if you're more of an NFL scout kind of mind instead of like a college football enthusiast, some prospects obviously to watch for this game: uh, JJ McCarthy, the quarterback for Michigan. He probably won't declare this year, but uh, he's someone to watch for future years. Uh, Donovan Edwards,
1: right? Because I actually was looking at this too before. I thought their quarterback was still Cade McNamara, but I guess he—he—he's
0: going to transfer. In
1: favor. Yeah, he was trying to transfer his bench in favor of JJ McCarthy over there too which kind of means like we don't have haven't watched mccarthy super kind of closely there too so you know maybe that could be a factor in the game you know if michigan's behind he has to come back he has to throw to like ronnie bell who has been kind of he was hurt last year and is now a veteran stand-up wide receiver for him so that could be interesting if michigan does get behind
0: yeah and then uh on the tcu side of things quarterback max dugan uh running back kendra miller wide receiver quinton johnson and then also to take a look at the Michigan tight end, Luke Schoenmacher. There's a lot of good tight ends coming out this year.
1: Oh, yeah. um, Luke Schoenmacher. Uh, Notre Dame with um, Michael Meyer, Myers, a Mayer's thing, I think, too. <laughs> crazy, no? crazy name. Crazy name. Haunting name there. But, yeah, of course, Notre Dame's always going to have great tight ends there. And then, yeah, Dalton Kincaid in Utah. Brock Bowers for Georgia. um TC, uh, the the tight end position in college has been used a lot to devastating effects with years. I feel like maybe college teams aren't as adept at guarding, you know, that big physical tight end position there without, you know, drawing fouls against them. So yeah, a lot of great tight ends coming out, especially this year.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's look at the other side of the college football playoff bracket. We have Ohio State versus Georgia. Uh, number one, Georgia, they're the defending champions. Um, They've been here before, and they haven't lost a game since the SEC championship against Alabama, I think, a year ago. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they've steamrolled everyone since. And then Ohio State kind of backed into this after USC lost, after Clemson wasn't um, as good as to qualify, right? So they kind of just came into this because by default, but they still are just a one-loss team. That one loss was against Michigan, um, and they only lost after, like, I think... They were only down by one possession with, like, seven minutes left into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, they are still a good team, but, you know, they are the fourth spot against Georgia. So this should be a more interesting game than, you know, one would think versus the one uh, spot versus the fourth spot, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely... uh... It's going to be a battle between, you know, that... Well, Georgia, first of all, you know, top team. They won last year. They are defending champions. And they just have so much talent up front, you know. They're going to be big guys on defense and offensive line over there. So, you know, being that tough Georgia front line is going to be a tall task task for every single team there. well Ohio State might have ways to get into a softer spot, you know, the middle of the field, um, getting to the secondary there. Ohio State's offense really... Um, Definitely have playmakers here. You know, I kind of I think I had CJ Stroud projected as like the Heisman champion at the beginning of the season. And he mm-hmm. has had a, I mean he had a good season too, but just kinda I guess wasn't in the news as much as, you know, your Max Dugan, your Caleb Williams over there. But CJ Stroud has had a pretty good season himself too. Um, and then kind of one of the biggest uh well, uh, for a house state, um, Jackson Smith Njiba, who is actually one of those players where last he was a breakout star in Ohio State's bowl game last season because he had a crazy game, like probably approaching 300 yards, just like touchdowns for days against I forgot which I think it was Utah, Utah it was, yeah. right? It was it was Utah, uh, Ohio State, and that was a Jack- Jackson Smith K. Brick uh, Nijiba's, Jackson that Najiba Smith breakout game there. Smith Najiba, but, but yeah, he <laughs> is a <laughs> confusing name. Um, but yeah, he is opting for the draft, so he won't be in the game. So next man up um, is. Son of a Indianapolis uh Colts legend, Marvin Harrison Jr., who in a couple games I've seen this season also has that talent to make any catch you want out there too. So he is gonna be the next and up for wide receiver, that big star uh that you know Stroud's gonna have to rely on to beat this tough uh Georgia defense. Yeah.
0: And I mean I think that this is Georgia is known for its defense, it's a very stingy defense. Um, I think they are a little bit worse than last year when they had just an absolutely dominant defense. Um, Obviously, that's the result of a lot of players opting for the draft last year, and now they're trying to fill in the holes. But those holes still made it to the number one uh, team in the country. And I also think that Georgia's offense stepped it up a lot more, Setson bennett I feel like has come into his own ever since he's been a national champion. I think he's feeling a lot more confident now. And he's kind of leading this Georgia offense instead of just being the game manager, right? So, you know, definitely the most dominant team in college football right now. It's a hard out. But Ohio State's offense, if they have any chance, it's going to be from their offense. So many great playmakers on the outside. You mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. C.J. Stroud is one of those guys that you could see early on in the NFL draft. He is a quarterback that can really air it out. And, you know, we saw it in last year's Rose Bowl game. We've seen it um, in every game, honestly, this year, right? He's just... He's one of those guys who can just air it out. And I think Georgia could be vulnerable to that. Ohio State right now is second in the Power 5 conferences in plays of over 40-plus yards,
1: right? Really? Hmm. So
0: that's really, like if they are going to make it a game, Ohio State, I think, has that ability to do that that maybe TCU or Michigan doesn't have because they're more of a control-the-ball identity kind of thing. But I think Ohio State can just really create those explosive plays, right? And then, yeah, they're definitely. Yeah, it's much harder to defend sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely really um explosive team. There. Yeah, definitely interesting to hear that stat. But I can definitely believe that you know, it was just all the playmakers that Ohio State have. I feel like, in terms of defense, I probably just because I haven't paid attention as much to the respective defenses this year too. You know, Georgia's you know front, um, defensive front always going to be really uh, tough to beat there. And Ohio State's defense, I feel like they typically have pretty good. Um, they can have some pretty good kind of uh, cornerbacks, sack stars, uh, good uh, um, defensive ends, uh, pass rushers uh, too, um, but. One player in particular, uh, probably the best player on the Huskies' defense, um, JT Tumolu, he had a game where he just did everything, like multiple interceptions, sacks, forced fumbles, all over the place there too. So they're going to need that. They're going to need an X-factor on defense if they want to contain this Georgia offense.
0: Yeah, and I just want to mention something briefly as well. Georgia is the number one red zone offense and defense right now. So if, you know... They're there for a reason. Again, the offense has blossomed. The defense is just as stingy in the red zone. So this is going to be a tough test for Ohio State, but I think if anyone can upset Georgia right now, it's probably dumb.
1: Yeah, just looking at kind of projections here, I guess, you know, let's say, you know, Ohio State, Georgia. If Ohio State can't do the job, you're looking at the winner of Michigan and TCU there. And then I think like, yeah, it's just like with Michigan and uh well TCU they're definitely the underdogs in the Michigan game if Michigan wins you know they kind of just have i don't want to i don't want to kind of simplify too much but they kind of just have their like run game kind of going for it and they don't even have their kind of best running back there versus like Georgia's defensive line there just going to have to run it running against that uh, defensive line over that could be really difficult so you might be right i think you know Ohio state might be the team best suited uh to stop Georgia before you know they reach the second consecutive championship
0: yeah. And some prospects to watch for the game, obviously. Uh we mentioned briefly Marvin Harrison Junior, the wide receiver for Ohio State, quarterback CJ Stroud, uh JT Tumalao Is that how Tumalao. how do you say it? Tumalo. Tumalao
1: Tumolo. Okay. <laughs> One of the Polynesian <laughs> guys. Just like USC's uh Tui over there, our best defensive player, you know. The Polynesian guys are crazy good players on defense. Yeah.
0: And then you got on the Georgia side, you got defensive end Jalen Carter. He's probably going to be a top five pick on that defensive front. Uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end. Um, Quarterback Stetson Bennett. I believe they have a second tight end, um, Georgia does, that's also going to be a top prospect. Darnell Washington, the tight end Mm. as well. So a lot of talent. Oh, and cornerback Keeley Ringo. Um, Yeah, so much talent loaded on Georgia's offense and defense. Okay, well, you want to be a little bit gutsy. What do you have as your college football playoff predictions here? Like, who do you think is going to be holding that national championship trophy at the end of the year?
1: I just every, I mean, all signs. I'm pretty sure every pundit is just going to say Georgia. You know, they're undefeated. They've brushed aside any challenger to them. I mean, they're a clear, clear cut favorite to win it all. But you know, I think. Michigan, TCU, there I can definitely see, you know, TCU pulling off a crazy comeback just maybe Max Dugan cementing his name as, like, a top, one of the best uh college, college football quarterbacks out there, too. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to crunch time, Dugan pulling off an upset of Michigan, so, you know, looking at TCU versus Georgia there, and as I said kind of earlier, you can never count out Dugan's arm, Dugan's leadership abilities, his ability to come up big in the clutch there, too, but... Just and we've seen this before. Was a lot of kind of big bull games too, you know. Georgia just jumps out to like a big lead. It was in the first couple. It was in the first couple quarters. Like what happened? I think Georgia played like Cincinnati last year. I want to say, and for that one, it I was, think it was the game Michigan. Was over.
0: It was Michigan. Um, it
1: was, oh, it was Alabama. It was Alabama versus yeah. uh, uh, Cincinnati. Then, and in that yeah. case, yeah, Alabama. The game was over by like halftime. we like, you could tell like. Alabama was not going to let up. Like you won't have a chance there too. So it basically, what I'm trying to get at is that whoever plays Georgia can make it into make it past halftime and it's still competitive there. I think there's still <laughs> a chance that they could pull off an upset. That that, that probably is a good idea. If, if the game's still competitive by halftime, um, you know, there's a very real chance that you know maybe they could pull out that final upset of Georgia there. You know, outclutch Georgia at the end. If that's a possibility.
0: Okay, so what I'm what I'm hearing from you then is TCU is gonna win it all then.
1: Yeah, well, let's do it. Go, hypno toads, <laughs> hypno toads country. Let's ride, <laughs> Be Georgia. That's never been <laughs> no a very there.
0: good phrase for a rally, unfortunately. <laughs> but
1: I'm down uh, to support yeah the underdog every time, dude. I'm love to see kind of t- like a TCU, a team that I think they used to be. They move to the Big Twelve from the Mountain West or something there too. So that'd be a hmm. oh, crazy story. A team that TCU, I remember in the past, have they've gone undefeated before, but were snubbed from the BCS or I think it was I forgot it was the BCS uh, era or the CFP era. But yeah, they were snubbed for like the big games too because you know, they were perceived as a weaker scheduled team there. So that'd be a great story for TCU fans there too. If you know, they could pull off that national championship, go from you know group of five to national champion
0: yeah well unfortunately i'm going to choose against them here uh (laughs) i'm going with jim harbaugh's wolverines uh maybe i still have a soft spot for that man ever since he led the niners but i want to see him get his championship if i were a betting man if i were practical i would say georgia is probably going to win it all here uh no (coughs) again they've trounced michigan before they've Really, just stopped any people in their path. So I'd probably go Georgia, but that doesn't mean I'm not rooting for Michigan to win it all in the championship.
1: Right? Yeah. This part of it is like you know, Harbaugh was almost on the hot seat. I mean, he was on the hot seat. He was about to get fired. He was about to get axed. For just you no, know, not being able to win the big game, losing Ohio State for like a decade straight, being able to win a national championship like that. I mean. He silenced a lot of haters already. That would just end the conversation right there, too. You know, um, Harbaugh would complete... That would be complete utter redemption for Harbaugh.
0: Yeah, it's always been about Harbaugh not winning the big games. Um, it's followed him in San Francisco. It's here at Michigan. Um, but I think he can. I honestly think he can do it. I think he's a leader of men. I think he's a leader of character. And, you know, I just hope that he has a plan against Georgia. Sometimes talent... It's just too much. Georgia has been battle tested against probably the best conference in football, the SEC. I just don't see them, you know, giving it up at this point. It's just hard for me to believe it, especially with the offense now being even better than it was before uh, last year, right? Like they just seem like a very dominant team. So I I think it's gonna be Georgia to
1: win it all. Well, talent doesn't always. Equal wins. Take a look at Tex the uh, Texas A and M team that is not going to a bowl game this season. They got like four, or three wins. I think four wins. I want to say, but might want mm-hmm. to fact check that. Like Jimbo Fisher could be on the hot seat there. You know, they first year of the NIL, they got all like five star recruits, best recruiting class in a and history and it might be because they're still young players too but they did not develop very well this year at least looking at their win totals too so of course talent doesn't always equal the wins but in Georgia's case Kirby Smart is a lot more established coach he has that national championship already there and what he's done with Georgia you know so good on both ends of the ball there that is person that's a person who knows how to develop top top tier talent yeah
0: alright well that'll do it for this episode uh we don't normally do college football on sports console but it's always nice that we can talk about it and it's always nice to have brian on as well thank you so much for doing this
1: yeah thank you too matt this is great
0: yeah and if you want to hear more from brian about fantasy football or the college football uh, episode that we were previously alluding to you can find it on our spotify you can find it on itunes amazon music anywhere you get your podcasts from it's the Sports Council podcast. Um, you can also follow our Twitter uh, at Bay Council and our Instagram Sports underscore Council to stay up to date on the latest and greatest of our sports takes. That'll do it. Um, we hope everyone is happy is having a happy holidays, and uh, you know Christmas is coming up soon. So you know, enjoy your holidays, everyone. Yep, happy
1: holidays. Bye, on guys. Thank you.